Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the Circleville Letters. Circleville, Ohio was plagued by a mysterious writer during the end of the 20th century. In 1976, Mary Gillespie received a letter in the mail. The letter said that the writer knew that she was having an affair with the school superintendent and that it needed to stop. It also said that the writer knew where Mary lived and that she had children and that she should take the letter seriously. Mary hadn't been having an affair, so she had no idea why she would be sent this letter. The letter had no return address and the postmark was from Columbus, Ohio, so she had no idea who would be sending threatening letters and chose to ignore it. A second letter arrived a week later with a similar tone. Mary kept the letters to herself until her husband, Ron, received a letter. His letter said that Ron had to stop the alleged affair, otherwise he would be in danger. From there, the affair became the talk of the town. Whoever was writing the letters knew how quickly gossip could spread. After another two weeks, Ron received yet another letter. This one was more threatening, explaining that he had been given two weeks and chose to do nothing. The threat was that if Ron still didn't get Mary to admit to the affair, and inform the school board, it would be broadcast on billboards, signs, posters, and anywhere it could be until Mary admitted that she had been having an affair. Ron and Mary had only told three people about the letters. Ron's sister, her husband Paul Fresher, and Paul's sister. Mary came up with a plan to stop the letters. She had an idea about who it could be, and brought in her sister-in-law, Paul, and Paul's sister to help. They sent a few letters without violence or threats, just to scare who they thought was the writer. All the letters said that they knew that the recipient had been writing them and that it needed to stop. The plan worked for a while. On August 19th, 1977, Ron received a phone call. This phone call seemed to confirm something for him and he told his children that he was going to confront the writer of the letters. He appeared to be sober and took his gun with him after saying goodbye to his children. He went out to the family pickup truck, which he had been told was being watched. He got in the car and left to confront who he thought was the culprit. At an intersection that Ron knew well, he lost control of the vehicle and hit a tree. Ron died in the crash. Somewhere between his driveway and the crash, Ron's gun had fired once, and there was no evidence to show when, why, or who he had shot at. There was a single potential suspect who was eliminated quickly. Ron's death was ruled an accident. Soon afterwards, residents of Circleville received anonymous letters that accused the sheriff of a cover-up. Paul believed that the sheriff had changed his story saying that the sheriff had agreed that there was foul play involved, then later decided that it wasn't foul play 
and the suspect had passed a polygraph test. It was also discovered that Ron's blood alcohol level was at 0.16%, which is 1.5 times the legal limit in Ohio. It was believed that Ron wasn't a heavy drinker and that the finding of that percentage of blood alcohol was surprising. The letters didn't stop after Ron's death. Mary and the superintendent eventually admitted to having a relationship, but stated that it had begun after the letters had started being sent. Mary also kept her job as a school bus driver, but the letters didn't stop. In 1983, the writer began to put signs along Mary's route. These signs began to target Mary's daughter, Tracy. On February 7th, 1983, Mary was on her way to pick up some children from Monroe Elementary when she spotted a sign on the intersection at Five Points Pike. She parked the bus and approached the sign. After years of the letters and signs, Mary was at her wit's end. The sign had been staked into the ground and she pulled the whole thing up and put it in the bus. She went about her work as normal and inspected the sign later. Behind the sign was an attached box and when the box was opened, Mary discovered a handgun. Mary later learned that whoever was behind the signs had planned for her to tear the sign off the post, which would then set the gun off. Mary contacted the police, who took the gun into evidence and looked it over. The serial number of the gun had been filed off, but they were able to figure out just enough to find out who the gun belonged to. It was Paul Fresh's gun. He was arrested, but maintained that he was innocent. He was interrogated by Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe, who had Paul take a handwriting test. It was strange though, because Radcliffe had Paul copy the writing on either the envelopes or the letters to see how close Paul could get it. Experts said this isn't the correct way to test handwriting because people only try to emulate what they see and the product is then not the correct handwriting. These tests were taken out of the evidence surrounding the case for that reason. The police even searched Paul's garage and turned all evidence found over to the courts. His involvement didn't make much sense. Throughout his investigation and the criminal trial, nobody could find a reason why Paul would threaten his in-laws or even why he would take it as far as he had. Upon his $50,000 bond release, he checked himself into the mental health centre at Riverside Hospital. He wanted to be examined, and if he was found to have something causing problems, he may have been able to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Paul was charged with attempted murder. On October 24, 1983, Paul was put on trial for the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. He wasn't charged for the letters, but they were used as evidence against him. During the trial, a handwriting expert said that his opinion was that the writing on all of the letters, signs and other correspondence belonged to Paul. Paul's boss said that Paul hadn't been at work on the day that the trapped sign had been found. Paul never took the stand for his own defence, which could have caused the outcome. Paul was found guilty. He was given the maximum sentence for attempted murder, which was 7 to 25 years. It was assumed that Paul had written the letters and everyone believed they would stop when Paul was in prison, but they didn't. Letters were still received across central Ohio, 
and nobody could figure out how Paul was mailing all of those letters from within prison. Radcliffe complained several times and Paul was placed in solitary confinement. The letters still continued. Every single one was postmarked Columbus, but Paul was imprisoned in Lima, which is on the other side of the state. The prison warden became convinced that Paul was not the person sending the letters. He was convinced of it after two investigations were conducted while Paul was in isolation. A letter was sent from the prison to Paul's wife, confirming that Paul couldn't have been sending the letters from prison. Then, Paul received a letter. He had just been denied an early parole, and the letter taunted him. It asked when Paul would believe that he wouldn't be released, and why Paul hadn't listened to earlier letters. As far as the evidence states, it's not known if Paul had received previous correspondence from the writer before he was sentenced. In December of 1993, the Unsolved Mysteries Office received a postcard. It seemed to be a threat, but it appears that the team at Unsolved Mysteries hadn't known about the mystery before. The postcard reads, Forget Circleville, Ohio. If you come to Ohio, UL Sickos will pay. It signed the Circleville writer. Unsolved Mysteries is a TV show that has quite the following. Older episodes can be found on YouTube, and there was recently a reboot on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Not ones to shy away from a mystery that has come to them, they investigated. They contacted a journalist, Martin Yant, who reviewed the evidence. When Yant reviewed the sheriff's investigation file, he discovered some evidence that had never been presented. Mary had told the sheriff that another bus driver had driven past the intersection that Mary had found tra the trap sign at. The other driver had been there around 20 minutes before Mary had and said that a yellow El Camino had been parked in the spot where the sign had been found. A large man with sandy hair was stood near the car and when he noticed the bus, he turned and acted like he was going to the bathroom whilst avoiding being identified. The description doesn't fit Paul at all and Paul had a solid alibi for the entire day in question. The lead was never investigated further. Yant believes that if they had followed that lead, they might, may have found someone close to the case who had a yellow El Camino, but doesn't mention who that might be. In May 1994, Paul was paroled. He had served 10 years. He still maintains his innocence and believes that the Circleville writer as they dubbed themselves, is still at large. He lived until 2012. No new evidence has been presented between his release and his death. If it was Paul, he would have abandoned his role when he was imprisoned, when it would have been picked up by somebody else. But the letter seemed to end in 1993, when the Unsolved Mysteries team received their postcard. In 2021, 48 Hours, the CBS show, asked Mary Ellen O'Toole, a former FBI profiler, and Beverly East, a forensic document expert, to examine the letters. O'Toole believes that Paul wasn't the culprit. She believed that whoever was writing the letters was controlling and vindictive, which is different to how Paul's relatives would describe him. However, East believes Paul did it, and looks specifically at the letter G. She says that they 
look like the number six in many of the letters and says that there are similarities in Paul's own handwriting. The show allegedly identified Paul's fingerprints on some of the letters that were received during Paul's stay in prison. These fingerprints are odd since there was no way that Paul could have sent letters from Columbus when he was on the other side of the state. As of the date of recording, February 2022, no new evidence has been discovered and the police believe that the case is closed. It's unlikely that we'll get a real answer from this one, but we've not looked into the theories yet, so we might find something. The Circleville writer's identity is unknown. There are some theories of who they might possibly be, though. The first theory, and one which has been discussed already, is that Paul was the Circleville writer. The gun from the trap sign was bought by Paul from a co-worker, but Paul said that he hadn't seen the gun in a while. Paul and his wife Karen had been close to Mary and Ron until Ron's death. Then, Paul hated Mary over the alleged affair. In 1983, Karen and Paul were in the midst of a divorce. Karen alleged that Paul was physically violent with her and was prone to violent tempers. He ended up with the children and Karen told police that Paul was behind the letters. She said that she'd found one letter torn up in a commode and another couple of letters hidden around the house. The issue with this one is that the letters didn't stop when Paul was in prison. There was no way that he could have sent them from where he was, not without being caught at all. The next theory is that Karen is responsible for the letters. If she knew of an affair that would hurt her brother, it would make sense that, given her closeness to him, she would want to protect him. It's uncertain how that would have set the events of Ron's death in motion, but Karen has motive. At the time, it could be possible that she was already in an awful place in her marriage and the knowledge of an affair that could hurt her brother could have put her in a position to deal with both at the same time. If she got rid of Mary, her brother could be happy. If, during the situation, she implicated her abusive husband, she could be happy too. She writes the letters, steals her husband's gun, divorces him and attempts to murder Mary but then makes it so that all of the evidence points to Paul. There isn't any evidence to support this theory, but it's a possibility. The third theory is the El Camino man. He was spotted by the bus driver near Five Points Pike. After a little more digging, I found more information about what Yant meant when he said that someone close had an El Camino. The man was large with sandy hair, and Paul was smaller with dark hair. At the time he was seen, Karen was dating a large man with sandy hair. Karen's surviving brother had an El Camino. It's not a very well put together theory and it tenuously links Karen into the role of the writer again. If we say that she was the ringleader here, then that means that she didn't set the trap, but it does implicate her as the person attempting to kill Mary and not Paul. What's worse is that Karen refused to take part in the Unsolved Mysteries episodes. It was in season seven with Robert Stack and then again in season four with Dennis Farina. She allegedly sat in her car 
across the street from where the interviews took place for the show, taking photos of everyone who went in. She also refused to respond to 48 hours when they reached out to her with some questions. However, she was never seen as a suspect and it's possible that she had nothing to do with it. The fourth theory is that Paul and Karen's son, Mark, was the culprit. Again, there's no real evidence for it, aside from an interview on CBS News from 2021. In the interview, Pam Stanton is speaking with Martin Yant and Erin Moriarty about the letters. Yant said that he interviewed someone who had said that Mark had stolen Paul's gun before the trap sign was made. Pam, who had grown up during the letters, said that Paul wouldn't have gotten Mark in trouble over it, even if Mark was behind it all. She said that Mark had been destroyed by everything that had happened. Unfortunately, Mark's body was discovered floating in the Scotio River on September 11th, 2002. He had taken his own life. A fifth theory is that it's none of these people. A completely third party that knew what was going on and just wanted to cause some drama. There aren't any suspects for this one, so it's a long shot. It's the least likely and offers the least answers. As it stands, the evidence seems to be pointing in the direction of Karen. But none of these theories have any concrete evidence that can really pin it on anyone. The Circleville letters still have a mysterious writer, and I don't know if we'll ever find out who really did it. The story from this episode came from a Mental Floss article called Unknown Sender, The Mystery of the Circleville Letters, and an unsolved article called Poison Pen Murder. Theories from this episode came from the previous articles and a CBS News article called Has the Anonymous Author of the Circleville Letters Been Unmasked? References for the episodes and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is going well, and I'm still uploading one transcript every single week as part of the £3 tier, which is also the only tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree, and as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month, and I will find something extra special for anybody that does that. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open up a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with the things that I've said, let me know, and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next Creature Feature will be out on Saturday, and next week's episode comes out on February 23rd, so hold on until then. Thank <laughs> you.